And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why The Cable Guy is the greatest movie in the world. You know, I, I didn't think that uh, you were going to have much of an argument for it, but after that, like, it, it's, it's the <sighs> cinematography, acting, directing, just... I'm kind of speechless, Castro. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. Acting, performance. Hey, um, guys. Yeah, Austin. What? Um, so I didn't hit record. Oh man! Wait, that was like our longest episode. <laughs> that was three yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah, I just realized I took like a nap in the middle, and I just I guess I wasn't checking in. Austin, I will fucking tackle you and stab you <laughs> in the fucking knee, dude. So should wait. We what just, about the Jim yeah. Carrey cameo? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I, I I completely forgot to press record. Dude, I wrote letters for months. <laughs> we can't, you're, you're laughing. You're, you're, you're laughing. Yeah. Come on. Well, we got we we got we got to give them something. Uh, uh, I think we could do the. You guys want to do the great Lebe the big Lebowski? Yeah, let's just do that instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I can't do all my opinions from the last one again. I just yeah, I it wouldn't be natural for her to re-record. That was, that was just. A once in a lifetime. Okay, test run. <laughs> test run. Yeah, that was Back a test. Back to one. And welcome back Get started. to Watchtower Podcast, the new podcast brought to you by Tower Productions' new podcast network, the Towercast Network. Thank you for coming back. Fellow cinema lovers, fellow cinema watchers, glad to have everybody back. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, my people here on the cast with me today. My fellow co-host is probably pissed about the, the Cable Guy episode. It happens. Castro. I'm the dude. Okay, Nobody calls me Castro. <laughs> I'm the dude. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we also have Mr. Christian Yokomoto Medina. Yokomoto. Oh, hello. Uh, Mr. Michael De La O. Hello again. There he classy, is. Classy, howdy, howdy. Yeah. And last but not least, we also have uh, making sure we're sounding great in the background there, Mr. Austin Young. Look at this computer, man. Damn. I know. Purple. <laughs> What's the Looking theme you are going for? What's the theme? <clears throat> Red and purple. And also featuring from, from jail... Jailhouse number three four three. Yeah, no, you yeah, got a We got a new setty, a new background. It's just a new background, man. Still in his room. This is yeah, yeah. Uh, temporary background. I had to do the episode over here. We're getting some uh, new, some stuff done to our new place that we're moving into. So, aka, um, he got yeah. kicked. He, he got kicked out to the next room. Yeah, yeah, I got. I, <laughs> uh, now, thank you guys for joining us. We're doing um, an awesome film today. A, a, a favorite amongst a lot of people. Uh, this was uh, John Eric's suggestion. Uh, well, second. Well, yeah. Round two suggestion. Round two suggestion. Uh, <laughs> we're doing the Coen Brothers crime comedy, dark comedy. Some people would even call it an absurd comedy. The Big Lebowski, 1998's The Big Lebowski. Ooh. Yeah, Let's talk about with this picture, man. Uh, you know. Is anybody here not a Conan fan? A uh, Conan Brothers fan? And that's a, a Cohen Brothers. Yeah, Cohen yeah. Brothers. Cohen, yeah. You know what's interesting about this one is is uh, as far as the Cohen Brothers go, it was technically directed by Joel Cohen. 
only by one of them. Oh, just by one. And and it was written by both of them. Typically, they both direct together. Typically, both of them are on the on the on the billing top billing for directing. Uh, but in this particular case, and it's one of the earliest films, right? So this particular case, it was just Joel Cohen who directed. Um, and as far as your question goes, Castro, they they were a hit or miss for me for a long time. For a long time, the Cohen brothers were a hit or miss for me. Well, you know, this, the Big Lebowski was actually a big flop when it first came out. That sense has gotten better for me. Yeah, and it definitely was. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a big flop, but it just wasn't recognized. It didn't yeah. have the following it did now. Cause it exactly. didn't make so, I mean, no, it, it really was a big flop because it, like, it almost did nothing at the box office. Really? I'm reading, yeah, cause... reading that on a $15 million budget, it made $46.7 million. So I, I wouldn't consider oh, that a flop. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, it was better, yeah. I they just said it started becoming a cult classic after like 9-11 once people started like going into like the politics and seeing the film for like the well, politics here's side. Here's the thing. I mean, the, 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 the as far as the cast goes, I mean, it, they all of them already had a big following. Um, you had Jeff Bridges, who was already popular in the game. John Goodman. What's interesting about John Goodman is he had just come out of Roseanne. This was 1998. Roseanne ended in 97. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So he had just come off of that. Uh, and that, obviously, I'm talking before the reboot because they recently rebooted Roseanne, and then it got canceled again because she made some public comments. Uh, <laughs> but we have like we have uh, Julianne Moore in it too, and Julianne Moore, she's one of my favorite actresses like in in our, our generation. Um, she kind of got her big start in Boogie Nights, which is on that same late 90s. Yeah. You know? So she's coming off of that. Steve Buscemi, I mean, come on, Steve Buscemi's coming off a bunch of stuff. Desperado. Uh, Desperado, uh, the Reservoir uh, Dogs. I mean, he's he's been wow, doing sure. a lot of stuff. And then two years prior, uh, he was on the uh, Fargo, also by the Coen Brothers. Yeah, the Fargo, also, uh, yeah. But yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what I was going to say is they the, the Coen Brothers have their players, uh, one of them being John Turturro. You know, the Turturro brothers, both of them yeah. tend to be, and either, and the Turturro brothers, it's funny, they're either in three, in three directors, they're either in the Coen Brothers in Spike Lee's films or in Adam Sandler's films. That's yeah. it. That's the three guys they kind of work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just saw recently, I saw the Totoro brothers in a, a Mo, Mo Better Blues, uh, Spike Lee film. Both of them come out as like the club owners. It's pretty cool. Mo Better Blues. Um, yeah, um, and then obviously John Turturro has a really big part in, uh, in uh, Do the Right Thing. You said it. Can't fuck with the Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, I, I haven't seen the Jesus roles. The, I, I haven't seen the... I haven't seen it either. No, me neither, dude. I haven't. Yeah. You know, if I'm correct, he directed it, right? Uh, Don Turturro directed it. No way. Yeah, I think he wrote and directed it, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Um, but yeah, John Turturro, I like him, man. I, I, I think he's fantastic. And, and I mean, the, the guy's That's got bad. his start. I know Castro's going to hate me, but the guy, John Turturro got his start by playing a very, very minor role in Scorsese's Raging Bull. That was his first role ever. So oh, I do remember. Wow, oh, I like that movie. Literally accredited as man. At <laughs> That's it. Like man, wow. at you know. So uh, Turturro, I like him, man. And 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 the other Turturro, he's funny. He has his own podcast now, Nick Turturro. Oh, really? Uh, oh, they're, wow. they're a good little team. But yeah, anyways, as far as the Corn Brothers go, uh, the guy, the guy that also comes to mind with them is um, oh, uh, what's his name, Tim. Um, He's, he comes out in almost every one of single, every single one of their movies. In fact, in their the one of their newest ones, which is uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, he played Buster Scruggs. Um, oh, I know who he's talking. Oh, about. Uh, yeah, I don't know his name though. 
his name. He's in the Old Brother Where Art Thou. He's in uh, Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Nelson. Oh, he's no. the other Cohen brother player. You know, he's always in their films. Um, another one of my favorites, by the way, from the Cohen brothers. That was a hit for sure. Um, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That's a hit for sure. I, I I love those two films from them. Did you guys uh, ever see uh Fink? I think it's called. I don't know if it's called something else. Pardon Fink. No. Pardon Fink. Uh, starring John Turturro as well. I haven't. And John Goodman too. And John Goodman, you're right. Um, you know, I recently what I thought was really cool is, if I'm not mistaken, it was John Goodman was receiving his uh, star of fame, the Hollywood Walk of Fame star, right? And uh, Jeff Bridges came as the dude to like give the speech, the acceptance. You have really? and uh, it was awesome. like 2019. This like Amish. just happened. It, it just <laughs> happened. So, and John Goodman has gone on record to say that. This performance has been his favorite role he's ever done. No like, way. Yeah, no, he's gone he's, on record. He's I, gone on record. I like he's like such a good role. <laughs> that the Big Lebowski was his favorite thing he's ever done. Like, uh, awesome, dude. So, it's because his character, dude, he stands out the most out of all of them. Even the dude, like. He's one of those, yeah. Dude, he's bipolar. <laughs> he goes from, from happy to rage. <laughs> I mean, look. Uh, the all movie, these mannerisms he does, yeah. It's just so... Uh, him I'm and Bridges, to... man. I mean, Bridges was kind of the the rough, tough, almost like John Wayne type of guy of his generation. That's kind of who Bridges always kind of came across about. And then for him to come across as like this lazy kind of like air rich mm-hmm. dude who doesn't have to well, do anything. Before this one, I know him from Tron. Which one else did he come out in? Before Big Lebowski? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. He did a lot of stuff. But he, did, he did a ton of like uh, studio like... Um, he was like a studio player. He's been Jeff Bridges has been in the game forever, man. Um, let me let I know me. There's just... two that I that, but I can't remember. Wasn't his father also like a performer or actor or so? Yes. Yeah. But I know. I know that he came is, from uh, that kind of community and all that. His father is Lloyd Bridges, and his mother is, is Dorothy Bridges. His father was a film stage and television actor, um, and he did films like yeah, cool. The Hera, Walk in the Sun, High Noon. Uh, he was an airplane as well. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, an airplane, hot shot. So he did a lot of comedy stuff as well. Um, his mom. Uh, the last was, picture show was one of his. The last sorry. picture show, uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. P- uh, Dorothy Bridges too. She was uh, uh, came of an acting family as well. The the the, the Dean family. Um, so so yes, they, he comes from that that role, um, and let me bring up just uh, Jeff Bridges's kind of filmography so we can. Run Is down it just to- me or I, I love Tron, the new one where he comes out like the new one? I gotta tell you, man, uh, I haven't given it a shot, man. I do with your big screen. You have to watch, man. Surround yeah. sound. It's beautiful to watch. I will say, yeah. A little bit of liquid courage. It's good. It's good. I've, heard it's underrated. I've heard that it's underrated. I will give you that. I, I have heard a lot of good things about it. Um, like one one of the one of the one roles standout roles for me for for Jeff Bridges was True Grit, uh, you know True. Oh, Grit. that Western dude, yes. Yeah. Another Coen Brothers hit for me. I thought that was fantastic. Um, I yeah. haven't seen I haven't seen Fargo, which seems to be one of their most. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes, I, I get confused. Isn't there like a a movie and a series and then a new series? Yeah, yeah. There's a series right now. I think it's. I based- think- on an older series if i'm not mistaken right that's like what happens with fargo is that fargo uh what well, was there was a movie about basically uh minnesota take on a on a real crime story that happened apparently 
fake, right? Which uh, at the, yeah, like which real was in the end ended up being completely fake. But so the the TV show, what they do is that every season they do they do something based on a crime, apparently during that region. Oh, in that like same that. kind of Fargo yeah, place. You know, like, like the like new that. one, it's because it's on, um, I saw the new one, it's really intrigued me because it has Chris Rock. Um, I saw the one with Bill Horton. The, the first one, it was kind of like, you know, dark. I haven't, I haven't seen the show at all, but the new trailers have gotten my attention with Chris Rock playing this really, movie. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm really curious. Same show, but like a new season? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's because yeah, I think they, they stopped for a while and then they picked Yeah, I know. Like, Black Mariner, like it's not necessarily yeah. like anthology in the sense, but it's like yeah, every they season. They do something like American Horror Story, where yeah, it's each like a season theme. is a new story. There you go. Yeah. American Horror Story, that's a perfect example. Yeah, Yo, yeah. that's a whole nother. What's up with that series, man? American Horror. <laughs> just... I don't know, but anyways, you know, when we're talking about <laughs> Jeff Bridges, we're talking about um, the the Big Lebowski. Really, was what made him Jeff Bridges because we're we're talking about. Everything after 98, okay? Uh, everything before was kind of roles here and there. He's been in the game forever, but nothing that notable. Um, it seems like he's been more like... Like Tron was 1982. Heaven's Gate's a big picture. Heaven's Gate was a really big deal as mm-hmm. well. But not, again, not, not the, super... The Last Unicorn, Kiss Me Goodbye, those, those were also like big ones they're, for him. They're big yeah. roles, but they weren't... That, that's not what people remember him for, right? I mean, it's always the dude... And like so which is, the, 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 I mean, uh, Yokomoto, the last picture show is obviously a big deal. Uh, yeah. And me, as a, I guess this is like an acting question for a director. You don't think this was like a little risk? Since well, here, like he wasn't, and then he takes like a stoner role? I, I think no, because I think, I think, um, I think the guys at the helm were, were the right guys. I mean, the Coen brothers were able to take this like, yeah. If, if you think about the Big Lebowski on paper, on a script, it doesn't to me it doesn't make sense right like right, on, right. on paper yes on paper it just feels like what what just that and then you have sequences like the bowling sequence the 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 trip the you know the lsd trip almost yeah <laughs> and it's uh it doesn't on paper doesn't make sense but for some reason it just works and like i feel i feel like a lot of the coen brothers films if you look at them they're really odd to kind of pinpoint because you don't feel this flow of a story like you would traditionally feel with like other films um so they can take these obscure things like um an assortment of western like stories and films or like if you ever do look at fargo or a serious man they don't they don't flow traditionally you know i I think the the coen brothers can uh, to your point i think the coen brothers have proven and this is why i say i can't talk smack about them because though they're hit or miss for me because uh, some stuff I've seen, I'm like, yeah, other stuff I've seen is like, that was amazing. Um, they've proven that they can they can adjust themselves to the regular uh, narrative structure. But they've proven that they kind of get bored with that. Like, they don't want to go into that forum. And, and the reason I say with that is, like, you see films that are traditional kind of stories, like the most depressing film I've ever seen in my life, which was uh, um, uh, the, the film with Oscar Isaac. Um, Jack. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis. It depressed the hell out of me, dude. It's the most depressing film I have ever seen. It was terrific. Don't get me wrong. It was a great film. But it's a, it's a traditional kind of narrative structure film. Then you see films like Hell Caesar, and I, I gave it a rewatch, and I, I loved it the second time around. Uh, um, and you're like, oh, that's what they're trying to do. Like they're, they're really breaking the form in that sense and taking these characters. Like 
what's cool about Hell Caesar, somebody, I read an article recently that um, uh, a film reviewer was like, he, he talks smack about musicals and kind of goes into his thing about how, why he hates La La Land. Oh. And uh, and he's like, La La Land is just trying to mimic this, this and that. And he, he praises the little excerpt of Hell Caesar and says the Coen brothers did a better job get paying homage to the classic Hollywood musical in that little piece of Hell Caesar than La La Land did in the its whole film. And I, I kind of understood what he was saying, the way the the way that little piece was shot with um with Channing Tatum. Um, I kind of understood that. Charming Potato. Yeah. Charming, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I understand. I, I think I understand where the Coen brothers are coming from, man, like what they're trying to do. Um, and in the Big Lebowski, I, that's why I think the Big Lebowski is ahead of its time a little bit. Um, just a lot of its comedy, a lot of its approach to things. Um, well, well, what, well, I like that the main story is not really the main story. Like, what do you guys think the main story is? Is it the pain on the rug or is it uh, finding the the you know the well i mean if, if we take a kind of a tradition because the whole thing about this is that it's basically a character being being thrown in this whole like larger yeah. scheme uh, of where he doesn't even belong but he's there i was reading well, that I, didn't even <laughs> I was reading that like because you know the the uh, one of the big questions i don't know if you guys asked yourself this question but one of the big questions that everybody asks themselves is what does he do for a living? How does he make his money? Oh like, yeah, right. That's the whole like how does... residuals, no? I think so. What, he's a Kramer what, man. He's a Kramer. The Cohen, right? He's a Kramer. Yeah, he gets by. What, what the Cohen brothers? What uh, I think it was Joao. Um, it was revealed that he was the heir of the inventor of the Rubik's cube, and that's like official. What? Go to IMDb. Go you know go and, and visit it, but. In an early draft of the script, the dude's source of income was revealed. He was an heir to the inventor of the Rubik's Cube, which would have also made him uh, Hungarian in turn. Um, so it was Joel Cohen's idea to drop this, kind of just hint at it, and then never say like exactly what it is. Okay, because because they, they asked for the um the what do you call it? The property manager comes in and asks for the rent. So I mean, I mean, I think it's, that's part that's part of his character being lazy, not part of him not having money. And that's you know, director. That's true. I think that's because he he goes bowling consistently, and then like yeah. he can go out and eat and just <laughs> do whatever he wants, like he whatever yeah. he wants. And clearly, doesn't work, you know. And he's really not obsessed about the like keeping the money like John Goodman Walter is, you know. So that's true. right, right. It's and then um, he's he's the dude. He's laid back. He doesn't have to worry about anything. And it's like a rich kid grows up with money. You know, they don't have to worry about everything, right? <laughs> so, which is the like the principal philosophy of dudeism. <laughs> Dudism, the religion of Dudism. <laughs> Another fun fact about this this uh, scripture about J Jeff Bridges was that Jeff Bridges, a lot of the wardrobe that Jeff Bridges wore was his. Like, oh really? The, the flip flops. You guys know the memorable the flip flops that Jeff. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are like he still wears them to this day. Like those really? were. His. You know, so, oh like, my god. They just brought a lot of that those sensibilities that Jeff Bridges was just wanting to have a little more fun in his roles. You know. Um, pretty funny but anyways you know i i think uh we also got to talk about the great sam elliott and and the small right, part, yeah fantastic yeah, part he right plays there. in this entire script you know also yeah, fun fact narrator also yeah, fun yeah. fact they just replaced the uh, adam west and family guy with uh sam elliott with sam elliott no way oh, yeah 
that's that's a nice little passing of the torch. I, mean, I don't know if it's gonna be the mayor or somebody else, but yeah, he's gonna be the mayor. Really? I love Sam Elliott. If you guys don't know this, by the way, Sam Elliott has a His big voice. has big history here in El Paso. Really? Yeah, Sam Elliott's mom went to UTEP. Oh wow! Yeah, and and uh, where was he born? He wasn't born here somewhere. No, or? no, he was born in uh, Idaho. I want to say New Mexico or something <laughs> like that. Oh, okay, so that makes a little. He, he um, I don't know it, what part El Paso played in the in the film. Portland, Oregon, but um, wow. in this one. But, the low? The low? No, wait. It's because you brought up Portland, Oregon. Uh, okay, I was bringing up the fact that uh, there's a film, <laughs> um, The Man Who Killed Bigfoot and Hitler. And Hitler, yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Uh, that one uh, premiered here at the plaza. Yeah, yeah, in El yeah. Paso. And he came in and uh, did a whole, uh, what is it called? He was here. Him and his wife were here. Yeah. They were really nice. We, we were at that film festival. Really? Um, yeah, Austin and Eric and I. Um, that's where we met Lucky McGee and all these other filmmakers that are really cool and and uh, local now. But Sam Elliott, like he did an interview. That's why I know about the El Paso thing. He did an interview with this guy, good friend of ours, uh, Chuck Horak. He uh, he's interviewed us for his UTEP show called On Film. And uh, so shout out to On Film. Listen in on Saturdays. It's like a 15 minute program where all they talk about is cinema um, on KTEP 88.5 here in El Paso. Oh, and cool. um, we've been on the show a couple of times just to promote different tower things. And Chuck's had us on. He's he's been really Chuck is shout awesome. Shout out, shout out, shout out to Chuck because Chuck is awesome. And, like he he's a film critic. He's like an official registered film critic, and he oh. goes to the film the Critics Choice Awards every year. Like he's he's a uh, he's part of that world. So he he, he really knows stuff. he really knows people. Uh, his his Facebook picture. I'm so jealous, man. His Facebook p- profile picture. Is a picture of him and Martin Scorsese in, in Cicalia Studios. <laughs> I'm not even lying. So, so ch- shout out to Chuck. But Chuck interviewed Sam Elliott when he was in town, and he was asking him like, "Hey, you were you, you were like, you you have history here in El Paso." And Sam Elliott like teared up because he was like, "Yeah, man, like it's a special place in my heart because my mom went to UTEP." So. Uh, while I was walking through the campus, it just reminded me of all the stories she would tell me. She would bring wow. and stuff like that. So, so he has some history here in El Paso through his mom being a UTEP. And this was obviously back before it was UTEP, right? It was Texas Western College and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so just a lot of cool little, yeah. Sam Elliott's got some got some history here. Pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, well, Sam, what was his role in the film? What was he? Just a casual bowler? Yeah. I don't know, man. No, like, he was I, a narrator. Yeah, I know, but he's still um, in the film, like, you know. A lot like, of people like to say that he's, like, like in an unofficial God character. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Like, he was, like, he's kind of, like, planning all of this according to, like, almost, like, for, for the dude to learn a lesson. Mm, okay. So, like, he's kind of, like, he knew everything that was going to happen, and he almost, like, if, if in every scene he comes out in beginning, middle, end, he's almost the voice of reason for the dude. Oh, and man. he makes him realize at the end, obviously, the conversation they have at the bar and stuff, so... I've I've seen that analysis a lot. Like he's the god character almost, and, and not even. And uh, I think it's just mostly on the omniscient uh, presence. Yeah. In the end, like what he says is not even. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. What goes on in the plot? It's just the fact that he he the just Vita describes Blanche. who who the Big Lebowski is, where's he going, and that's yeah. it. That's and it, it's he almost does. like I love that they chose Sam Elliott because Sam Elliott, obviously by 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 his roles is known almost as like the cowboy that rides away and there's oh, no rhyme, there's no rhyme or reason and that's what the dude kind of ends up being like 
He's just the dude that walks away. Like he's just the dude that kind of keeps on keep on going, you know. And that's Sam Elliott in, in almost every single one of his roles. He's just in, like Tombstone, you know. He's just. Well, it's what uh, it's it's what makes it so important for having Sam Elliott as the narrator at the beginning because it kind of gives us this Western feeling to the movie. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. That that you could uh, as this God, just dude. this lone guy. Yeah, this lone guy. Uh, going through the world i mean if you want to you want to think about it like in that kind of expense uh he's like the modern day cowboy that's just kind of riding through town and ends up getting this whole thing and then has to go on to the next town oh they're all going deep with it you could you could (laughs) there's uh yeah no yeah i i i I agree with that the the coen brothers maybe that's why they're so good at westerns true grit's awesome the ballad of buster scruggs is awesome um, you know they they had they totally pull that off if they wanted to. I mean it, it's good. It's I can't even. Like, what did you guys think of uh, Donnie? Fuck. <laughs> Shut up, Donnie. <laughs> Poor Donnie, man. Life did not stop and start I, at your disposal. <laughs> I think What's oddly enough, dude? he's like one of my favorite characters just because every time he comes in, he's just he's, he's trying to keep one, cool with everybody. You know, you know, he's that one friend in every group that like comes in just. A minute too late and can can't get on the track and it's just. Are you crazy. not listening to the story, Don? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Walter, dude? Um, yeah. I mean, and you can say like with Walter. I don't know. I think that's like, just like those sensibilities that that only Steve Buscemi can bring. You know, like it's. But it's funny that it, like you don't know what's going on, like why he's like that. And that towards the end, you know, he had heart complications, so he was just trying to keep like. Cool. He's trying to keep it cool and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's cool. It's it's a good character. I mean, these are. When we talk about, we're, we're all script writers, right? Right. We've all written the script at one point in our lives, and and we love doing that. And when we think about originality and character, this this script is is original to the team, man. Like you can't replicate these characters. John Goodman's quotes, dude. So many quotes. And just like it's it's, I don't want to call it a screwball comedy. I can get you a toe, dude. I can get you a toe by three o'clock this afternoon. Polish. <laughs> the characters are are almost by their nature they're they're screwball or slapstick in a very serious world, mm-hmm. you know, in a very dramatic serious world. Like, and it's I think that that the Big Lebowski opened doors for films like like the hangover where there's a very serious situation going on but these slapstick almost like screwball characters are just yeah making us laugh is like their dis- their their demise almost you know i'm finishing my coffee <laughs> i'm not going anywhere <laughs> hey, coffee we got to talk about the what was it the russian uh the white russian the white russian <laughs> that's become so popular because of this film is the that's white true russian. It's it's like patented if I'm not mistaken. Like there's a brand out there of the dude. Have you guys uh, tried a white Russian? Have you guys familiar? Yeah, with it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I it's actually know, one of no, my favorite drinks. <laughs> no, it's like very like it's like a winter drink. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's Kahlua vodka and and cream. And cream. It could be milk or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the white Russian. But yeah, basically, I will say when I watched this movie was in high school, and. Oh. So I, obviously, I still at that point, I still had no reference of alcohol. Right, right. But I'm once I started right. like, uh, <laughs> once I started drinking, uh, I do remember uh, for this one and the old fashioned being like those drinks to come up. Those top tier that you had to try one yeah. day, right? <laughs> like yeah. I had to try it because I heard it all the time yeah. with Big Lebowski. It, it popped in the old fashioned. So yeah. much. It was like, 
Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know what it is about the Coen brothers, whether you like them or not, you have to throw them into that conversation of like, if you watch a film of theirs, you're intrigued the whole time. And then the ending is, in my opinion, the ending is the one that either makes the film for you or breaks it for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the first film I was ever exposed to was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And um, oh, brother. there's sensibilities. Like, I never saw George Clooney be a character that I cared about. I always just saw George Clooney as a movie star. And when yeah, you see him, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like, you start caring about this jailbird that wants to do good, you know? And yeah. it's 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 one of those things when cares about his brothers, the Turturro and, and Tim Blake Nelson. And um, and I don't know, they kind of do that with characters. And I think the Big Lebowski is kind of accredited to that, like, too. Like, you 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 don't really care about this world, but you care about the dude. And then the dude becomes yeah. your favorite guy and the dude becomes the guy you're rooting for. Um, I don't know what it is, man, but you're intrigued the whole dude. time. The cinematography is beautiful. Oh, you know who else comes out? Philip Seymour Hoffman, dude. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. yeah. And one of his best roles. Rest in peace, bro. Yeah. Not late, doing heroin, though. Man. He was, yeah, no, he was one of the best. I mean, look, he was another one of those guys that in the 90, in the late 90s was really at his peak. And, yes. Uh, came out White in, chocolate, uh, dude. That's where I remember. Boogie <laughs> Nights. King Polly. Boogie Nights. He came out in Boogie Nights. Boogie and, Nights, dude. Uh, and, um. I, I listened to this podcast from a Justin Long. I don't know if you guys know Justin Long. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's a great actor. He comes out a lot. Like Amir make a porno, dude. He's the gay guy. Yeah, yeah he's that <laughs> he's guy. He's so fucking uh, hilarious. He has a cameo, dude. You guys know what cameo is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, does, he has a cameo, and people. he says that the most requests he gets is for that character. Dude, it's because even in the, in, the, in the footage that they use, he can't say St. Randy or something. I forget what his name is, but... But anyways, Justin Long has a podcast called uh, Life is Short with Justin Long. Yeah. And yeah. he interviews all of his buddies. You know, he uh, if you guys don't know about Justin Long, like he was roommates with Jonah Hill for the longest time. Wow. They both kind of came up together because of Accepted. I don't know if you guys ever got to see Accepted, but. Yeah, where they were in a college, a fake so college. They, they, they were roommates for a long time. And they uh, he just interviewed his sister, actually, Beanie Feldstein, because uh, he knows her. And uh, anyways, one of his best friends, if not his best friend in the industry, is... Um, Oh my gosh, his name is escaping me. The guy from Moon. Um, oh, Sam no, uh, Rockwell? Guy, guy Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Oh, Sam, Rockwell. Sam, Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. So he, him and Justin Long are like best friends, but Sam Rockwell and Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman were like really, really stupid close. Wow. And Justin Long tells this really cool story about how like Sam, Sam was obviously coming off of the success of Moon. And him and just Justin Long never was like this big movie star. He was just like this really popular kind of B like actor. the best friend of movies. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and he says, "Hey man, we're we're going out. I'm 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 coming with Phil." And he's like, "What do you mean, Phil?" He's like, "Yeah, Phil, Phil Hoffman." And that like, Justin Long got starstruck, and he was like, "Wait, we're hanging out with Phil Hoffman?" And then they hung out that night, went to bar, yeah, had some drinks, and, dream of, dude. And, and like they became really close friends up until his death. So it's just a really endearing story about. Um, just who Phil Seymour Hoffman is and, and stuff like that. Um, or who he was, right? And, 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 and yeah, he was he, every role he was in, man. I mean, if you guys saw Capote, uh, he was amazing Capote, man. He, he's, he's, yeah, I remember his last couple of films, he, he dove into them. He did a, he did a, a little role on the Hunger Games and he did he did a he did a few roles before he passed. I think he was in the middle of shooting, if I'm not the Hunger Games. Yeah, I think yeah, they he were. Right Damn. before the, it was a Curry the Fisher final situation, yeah. yeah, 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 they kind of finished it without him, type of deal, right? 
Yeah, um, I think they it was he barely finished his stuff. Oh okay. Oh okay okay okay. Because they found him in his in like his hotel room, if I'm not mistaken, right, or something like that. I think so. I don't remember. I don't remember. And then we also got to talk about the other superstar, Tara Reid, before she went crazy. Did you just say Tara Reid? <laughs> yeah. I she was in this. She had those botch boob job and just never got another role. <laughs> Played Bunny. That's right. I forgot about her. I Bunny, told man, the ransom. Um, yeah, no. that's her. That's true. It's a weird. Uh, it's kind of I remember because that was in the '90s. You know, she was big. You know who I th- no no yeah you're right Kasper because everybody was coming off of American Pie you know and oh, and yeah. American Pie was obviously big in the ninety and late nineties mid nineties and it's it's still a big franchise but but Tara Reid and um I, I I'm ta- I'm thinking of the San Mendes movie too American Beauty is the other girl wow, American yeah. Pie and she obviously hit it very big because yes. of that that particular film I forgot about that um but it's all it's all the American Pie guys kind of coming off of that um the guy that looks like Keanu Reeves too the um he, he did pretty well for well, us. Yeah. Is that something we could say is that this movie is kind of like a a, a picture of what the 90s were in, yeah. in a lot of cases? That's well, I mean, that's why because, like it starts off at the very beginning like uh he's from the early 90s and there's not much to be said after that. Maybe it's just that he resembles are... like that era. Another thing to to keep in mind is like um I, I, what's very interesting about this film that I find interesting, Gaston and I all the time are talking about stoner comedies because we're just we're we're those are some of our guilty pleasure comedies, like kind of like nineties, two thousands. Well, I mean, no, I mean like How High and Friday, and we're we're always talking about Half Baked and stuff like that. These stoner comedies. Yeah, what yeah. I think is interesting about The Big Lebowski is it's it's revered among stoner comedy fans, but it's also revered amongst just cinema fans. Yeah, because it's got yeah. more. Yeah, it's got more than just it's got the, more than just it being a comedy. It is deeper. It, it yeah, is a deeper movie. Yeah. But it is by definition like a stoner film, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another interesting thing I think it was really cool is that um, I'm weird in the sense that I really love Hollywood films and I love films that take place in Hollywood and take place in L.A. This film takes place entirely in L.A. Almost yeah. entirely in L.A. And it's uh, it's rated among one of the best films to take place in Los Angeles, right? Um, if, if you think of films like that that come to mind, one of my favorites is uh, Swingers. Swingers takes place in L.A., yeah. but it's like the side of L.A. We don't really see it. It's not Hollywood and glamour. It's just L.A., the way people who live there see it. Yeah, the gritty part, yeah. Um, so so I, that's that's also another thing is it's it takes place entirely there. Um, really cool, really cool about uh, them doing that um me i I like i love that it's it takes a the setting takes place in the bowling alley i'm a bowler myself and i like you know the whole soothing of the bowling pins and everything i love it man how have we never had a tower bowling day man after this pandemic it's first thing we got to do oh dude you guys got to beat my top (laughs) score man two 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 baby um, you gotta be my low score. Yeah, you gotta be my low score. I'm not i'm not very good, but I enjoy bowling. Uh, I'm not good bowling. at it. Because, um, you know, when uh, he's in the ground and he's like dazing off with the bowling pins? Yeah. I kind of do that with basketball games. Like, I'll leave a basketball game and I'll just doze off. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Lakers. Nice. As long as you're not going on, on, on this trip with the floors and the. No, no. Bowling. I always check what I'm drinking, you know. <laughs> Dude, that's. I gotta admit, the first time I saw the film, I was really yeah. happy, and it was like, okay, this is great, and it's kind of it got it has this indie feel with these big stars that we know as big stars now, you know. Um, 
And then I, I, we get to the sequence, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, Especially that first that carpet there. sequence? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. so I'm like, what, what the hell is going on here? And I think they were, they were trying to push the envelope on the whole weed kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to push the envelope of it being like stoner sequences, which was yeah. a little over the top, I think. But, um, but, but, yeah. but then again, we, uh, when these sequences appear, they do appear when, uh, when he's being knocked out. So it's, it's just another fair. glimpse That's into fair. the mind of the Big Lebowski. I, I mean, I got to tell he's you. He's just aloof. I, I, I guess you're right. It doesn't make, the, make it part of that kind of character trait. But I feel like it could have done without him. I don't know. I I, I mean, if it didn't have. Oh no! I, no, I believe that they, they are. Yeah, me too. Of, of this movie, I agree. Especially the second one. The the what was it? The party it the. Because it still goes yeah, with the, the story. whole bowling sequence. Yeah, that just tripped me uh, out. The ballbusters, or, or what, what's the name of the? <laughs> of the. The Jackie Tree the, sequence. The, the Jackie Treehorn presents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gutter balls. Gutter balls. Gutter balls. It was hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I was like, I ended up thinking about it and like, oh, that's pretty funny. It's clever. It's definitely clever. But yeah, it just took me. It knocked me for a loop. It was one of those things where I was like, huh? I'm telling you, man. Coen Brothers have the power to do that, man. Like when I watched Inside Llewyn Davis, I was like rooting for this guy, and I was like, oh, he's gonna get a happy ending, something's gonna happen, and no, they just left him to die, like, there was no, they have the power to just, like, do whatever they want with your feelings, and hey, man, that's, so, that's the trait of a good filmmaker. If they, honestly, they, yeah. under underneath, like, Wes Anderson, I'd probably put the Coen brothers, like, right there, as far as, like, my, my top directors wow. and all that, uh, or just top screenwriters, because, I mean, yeah. Every time I've looked into them or looked into like their stories, um, like my personal favorites, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Fargo, the the characters are so unique and you like they're so well crafted. Like I mean, they're everybody feels like an an actual person that if you met them, they would never break <laughs> character. Like they 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 just be this existing eternal being, like the dude and all that. That I strive to be like you see these people living, yeah. The one that everybody talks about, which also has this Western feel, is No No Country for Old Man. You know, it's yeah. obviously a big hit amongst Coen Brother fans. Um, it's actually I'm, one of my least favorite ones, to tell the truth. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. No it's, Country it's, for Old Man? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. But, uh, same same for me. I, I elaborate, por favor. I was more impacted by the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, man. I really was impacted by the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I thought that was something really great that they pulled off in that film and that's in that anthology. Um, yeah, I, haven't, so, I actually haven't seen that one. I, I got to check that one out. So what's cool about... It's interesting. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. Ballad of the Buster Douglas. Uh, what, what's cool about this one Buster is that... Douglas. Buster Douglas. <laughs> oh, I'm taking my Tyson. My bad. <laughs> Drags, thank you. My bad. Um, no, it's really impressive, man. Ta Tower. I won't say much because then Austin will hit me. But we're do we're working on this really cool anthology piece right now. Like that's probably the first thing we're gonna shoot as soon as we're done. With and there hey, we go. Hearing you. But we one of the films we watched. Like we had homework. Like we made a list of anthology films to kind of draw inspiration from, and Buster Scruggs was at the top of that list. Um, and trick or treat was trick or treat in there? No, <laughs> trick or treat was not in there. <laughs> mentioned it. I think Eric Sanchez mentioned, yeah, like that's a pretty good anthology. Um, I mentioned like we should watch Ballad of Buster Scruggs and um, New York Stories, which is really cool. Coppola, yeah, no, uh, Scorsese, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, hey, hey, quick question, Carlos, have you ever photoshopped yourself into a photo with 
Minus Scorsese. No. <laughs> just like on your free time, that's what you do. You just you put would. up like, I cut a photo and then, you know. I want to I wanna <laughs> make I want to make it in the film industry just enough to where I get to meet him. And like, so that's the goal, right? So Yeah, that's right? That's a good goal. To just oh. never wash your hand again. <laughs> Have you paid some money, man? <laughs> make it look as legit as possible because I want to put it as my profile <laughs> pic. <laughs> No. Um, anyway, so so getting back to kind of the the in terms of the casting for for Big Lebowski, um, according to to the Coen Brothers, they they wrote the script with these guys in mind, like Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and Sam Elliott. Wow. They all like they were written with hopefully like that was their first choice. Wow. It was written with them in mind. And when you do that as and a the wonder part, feels so natural, yeah. Yeah, when Jeff Bridges is the dude. I mean, when you do that as a, dude, you know, you do that as a filmmaker, him. dude, you're you're putting it all on the line because yeah. that's not the way Hollywood works. Like, if you write with somebody in mind, they could very easily say no or be mm-hmm. committed to another project. But yeah. I think they had the juice of Fargo. This was the film right after Fargo, and obviously yeah. Fargo was a big hit. And uh, Frances McDormand, man, she's she's very impressive as an actress. If you've seen her in anything. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I was rewatching it the other day. Sam Worth, uh, Sam Rockwell too, dude. That one. Amazing, yeah. Sam Rockwell in that film is amazing. It's just, it's a great picture. But Frances McDormand kind of rolled her bones with Fargo. That was her big like, yeah, big hit. Oh you yeah, know? I've heard about that. So um, so yeah, but they, to to I guess they had the juice from Fargo to be like ah, we're writing it with these guys in mind, and hopefully they say yes type of deal, and and. Which at I the think, time it kind of hurt this movie. Because a lot of the critical uh, reception for for the Big Lebowski at that time was kind of like, well, this is their kind of like uh, not that good as Fargo and stuff like that, and that that was a little bit kind of hindrance for them. But uh, do you think think like Fargo just because of the whole? uh, I guess at the very beginning, putting this is based on a true story, but it never really being based off anything that all, all that kind of sparking up afterwards. And how like big that situation got, then Fargo got like higher up there. Because I mean, I can see people watching Fargo and thinking like, "Well, that was entertaining, but that wasn't like the best movie I've ever seen." You know, I oh. kind of felt like that with with No Country for Old Men. To be honest mm. with you, um, I, I thought it was a great Ooh. picture, and there was, but I wasn't like, "Oh, this was the best." Like the way people describe it to me, it wasn't. Yeah. What happened with Fargo is that it's it still hit that. Uh, indie boom in the 90s mm. uh, where a lot of these directors were coming up like with these very like nice. indie darlings and and, so the, and it hit with a lot of people Fargo was I actually mean, I wonder, a bigger critical reception at that time I wonder if the Coen brothers that's what their aim was um, I've always said this about Wes Anderson Wes Anderson to me has this very like classic indie kind of like feel and the Coen yeah. brothers have that, but they make hundred million dollar pictures, you know. And I can really, I can appreciate when somebody can pull that off. Like the the money doesn't take off their originality. Um, so I don't Do you know agree with that, Delo. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll take that. I'll, You'll take that. Okay. Yeah, I mean it. It's really sad that you know uh, every time I hear Wes Anderson making a film, and then there's a bunch of people that don't go watch it, and it's just like, oh, it was one of those things that came out. Or like people talk about like it being a weird film and right. it saddens me, but then I still feel like I'm the true fan who still cares and all yeah. that. So yeah, because yeah. yeah, you're you're one of the few that gets it, like understands. Other people just like. Oh. But that's what's pretentious. I mean, that's what's almost gonna make the podcast pretentious every time we're like, we get it, you know. I think the Coen Brothers have that that effect <laughs> too with people. Like people don't 
people won't go see their films just because it's a Coen, like especially yeah. if you're a cinema fan, yeah, if you're a Coen Brothers fan, of course, but if you're a general audience member, you could care less. That one movie could just, you know. Yeah, I mean, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs was interesting in the sense that it premiered on Netflix. It's a Netflix film, you know, it didn't have a big premiere. And yes. I, it's my favorite of theirs, personally. Yeah. My favorite. So really, that much? Okay. I, I enjoyed it so much, man. I thought no, it was my cool. favorite is Big Lebowski, but. I mean, no, yeah, the Big Lebowski. Obviously, I, I know, I know, uh, Castro. I know you're a big fan of it, and and I know it's probably your favorite of the, of them. But it's I don't know, man. I like think the, the the approach to storytelling in in Buster Scruggs. Maybe we just have to do an episode on on that. <laughs> film because i really uh, we could also uh what what makes uh the clone brothers so good is well uh, for me and like uh why i although i really like uh, the storytelling of the clone brothers but at the same time i don't like all of their movies mm. like mm-hmm. but the ones that i do like i really love yeah um, yeah but a lot has to do because the way they write absurdity the way they uh just like can take a character and and say you know what this character is going to go through this then out of nowhere this is what's going to happen to him yeah yeah i mean and it, it, could, it takes and it seen, like it's almost like dark irony to a certain point like yes it, you know like in, in ballad of you have two in, in incidents where like it, oh and we're one particular one it's it's where the, the the my favorite segment of the whole anthology is is the gold mine the gold digger guy oh yeah and uh obviously what happens to him i don't want to spoil it for him because i know Gus, i know you probably want to check it out but it's it's so dark like the irony that happens to him which one uh, which one my bad my bad which one for battle of buster Scruggs. oh sure yeah i'm good just googling it right now yeah. so i don't want to ruin it but but there's that instance and then the instance everybody knows because it became a meme the, the james franco uh, episode oh yeah where he's like first time where he's being hung you know Oh he, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, did gonna be hung, and he turns to this other guy like <laughs> first time. You know, like it's it's that dark irony, dark comedy type of thing that the okay. comedy can do successfully. So it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, no. I mean, I can I can appreciate the following that the dude has, and I can appreciate the following that the Big Lebowski has. Um, to your credit, Crystal, by the way, or to your to to what, talking about bowling. You know what's funny about the Big Lebowski? I think it just it's just a, a comment terry on his character you mm-hmm. never once see him bowling that's true taking score <laughs> yeah you yeah, never see him actually bowling thing. that's so true i mean i don't know just, but you you know he does or i don't know because there well, is the one scene where he's like putting on his shoe he's like the best one of the best bowlers isn't that kind of the your ex-wife's dog I didn't bring it bowling. I'm not gonna buy it a beer. I didn't rent shoes. So yeah, you never see the guy bowling. But you know, to me, that just adds character because it makes me wonder, like, how did these guys these guys meet? You know, how did the John Goodman? Yeah, they're all so random. Donnie and John Goodman, like Walter, like yeah, yeah, especially that. Yeah, that's like how did they come about how did this there isn't there a world who's the world war ii veteran or whatever uh walter yeah walter <laughs> he's always bringing up like yeah, you know. no, no. He, he's see, a vietnam like, man. His, his picture is a meme too like he's cocking his gun and yeah you know um market zero <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> smoky this is not numb this is bowling there's rules no, numb, <laughs> like damn man it's easy it's um almost every every five minutes of this movie 
is a memeable moment. Yes, like, dude, that's why I love it, man. There's always that one quote, that one uh, reaction, that one. In almost every single instance of this movie, especially when I was going through it again, like I was... I just kept on repeating all the lines through my head because it, dude, they're dude. all just like very iconic. John Goodman has most of them, dude. It's, it's, the dude abides. The dude abides. I, I mean, ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go. Oh, dude, Reno. The dude abides. By the way, that supposedly that came from a Bible verse. Um, yeah, what yeah. is that? Yeah, has to do so, with that. I think it's like Ezekiel. No, that's I'm thinking of Pulp Fiction. Um, dude abides. I have it here. Hold on. It's uh, it is if. Ephesians, 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 Ephesians. Well, at least I'm house trained. <laughs> well, obviously, you're not a golfer. <laughs> you know what's interesting about the Bible verse is that the Bible verse, the way it reads, I can't find it, but the way it reads is like basically that the earth abides. That's literally what it says the earth abides. So that's just, the, I think it's just a character trait too, like because the dude is like so chill and kind of connected to the world and he's the guy that walks around in sandals, like. He's the earth, you know, like he okay. represents that. that device. Okay. Um, by and the way, I, everything's cool with him. Everything's cool with the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I got to give like, I got to give um, props to, to, uh, to the Coen brothers because the, John Goodman's character, the way he dresses, the way he looks, the way his, his, his love for guns and his love for kind of military. I want those glasses, dude. You know who it's based on? And this is just a tribute to cinema almost. Like it's based on the, this guy, this unsung hero of Hollywood named John no Millius. No way. It's based on John Millius. And if you don't know who John Millius is, he's basically responsible for co-writing apocalypse now for for Coppola. oh wow you can okay and, and john you could definitely see that from the character cool. like yeah. there's a whole documentary on it's called milius it's a really great i highly recommend it it's the it's actually produced by scott mosier uh which oh. is really cool um and it's 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 about him and it's about how he grew up with he he came up with spielberg and scorsese and de palma he was really good friends with de palma and coppola um like he he came up with these guys and he was supposed to be one of the greats and then um, he became overly political, number one. He, he was a right wing, like he wrote right wing type of stuff. Right. Uh, almost like Michael Mann type of deal, like kind of went into that world. And, um, or not Michael Mann, what's the guy that does the conspiracy films? Um, Michael Moore. Michael Moore, Michael Moore. So he kind of went into that world and he's uh, even an entourage that they make fun of him because drama buys a bunch of guns because uh, uh, Vince has a stalker. So they... <laughs> He like comes with a bunch of guns to the house and then Vince is like, where'd you get all those? And he's like, oh, John Milius was having a garage sale. Oh, shit. Like, nice. <laughs> I only get the guy, reference now. Like okay. a gun nut. He was a gun fanatic. <laughs> uh, but what the sad thing that happened to him was that um, he, he did films like, obviously, Apocalypse Now. He did Conan the Barbarian was his. Um, oh, so he did, he, he kind of came up a lot of that. And uh, what happened is he had a stroke. <clears throat> and because he had a stroke, he had to learn how to read and write again. So as a writer, it took, him, it took him like a decade to finally be back to like being able to write a script again. So he lost all that time when his friends were off making the greatest films in cinema history, you know? Wow. Um, so so that's what happened with, with, with John Milius. And again, Google him and see a picture of him and then see oh, a picture yeah, he, of him. Oh, yeah, I've seen it right he here. He looks exactly <laughs> like... Exactly. That's true. So shout out to the Coen brothers for that, man. That's... 
that's how you can tell they're cinephiles and they love cinema and they just wanted to give a little nudge to John Milius. I thought that was pretty even cool. Even the haircut. just <laughs> Even the haircut. <laughs> the, the, the haircut. The <laughs> yeah, if you don't know John Milius, man, watch that documentary. It's pretty cool how he came up and, and kind of what happened to him. He's still writing, from what I understand. He's still trying to get a couple films out there. Dude, so. that makes it even more beautiful. John Goodman nailed his character then. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just... And I think it's perfect, man, because I think it worked for, for John Goodman most people who come off of sitcoms um that's what they want to do is they want to be casted as something completely opposite of their it role never works for them and never works and and with john goodman it worked you know he played dan this loving father who was funny and, and yeah perky. but but in this film is it completely different you know i, I, I think it just goes about- to the writing i mean the writing was so mm-hmm. uh, like um when I was looking into the writing for like Fargo, when they were writing uh, the characters stuttering or they might repeat themselves a little bit or they like start a conversation then have to like backtrack and then go forward. Uh, I mean, kind of like you see with him. It, it's all carefully written to make this character feel so real and really yeah. take him out of whatever preconceived I mean, notion he, you have. Yeah, he came yeah. up in another Coen Brothers picture in Inside Lewin Davis. He plays like the mm-hmm. rich guy with the, with the crutches. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, and that was totally different from him too. It was a very impressive role. It was a very good role for John Goodman. He he plays an ass. He's an asshole of a rich old man who's like addicted oh, to his driver. Hell yeah, he's like addicted to his driver and stuff like that. So um, yeah, John Goodman pulls pulls anything. You off. know which one I liked and it's recent. Um, the one uh, what's it called? Ten Leaf Clover Lane or something. Oh, I Ten Clover Lane. Movie. Yeah. I yeah, he's a cycle. He's or, perfect in that thing. Yeah, yeah I've, heard, I've heard great things, guys. Sadly, shamefully, I've never seen a single one off that that series. I've never seen Cloverfield. I've never seen any of them. They're all different, right? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Like the third one, the last one was in space, so it's like what? Yeah. Well, is that what happened with that series? There's a whole. There's a whole different story. Which, uh, if we ever do come up with the. Especially if we do like a horror perspective on Cloverfield, yeah, yeah. I, I can get through them because I, I oh, okay, okay. There's a lot of stuff to go through. But, but that was yeah, pretty cool because I like the setting. That, where, that movie with, itself is really damn good. Yeah, because it all takes place in the, like in a basement. And, oh man, he's crazy, dude. Hmm. So this might disappoint you guys. Um, and the, according according to the Coen Brothers, it's like the least favorite project that they've done <laughs> to them. Oh, man. Uh, so I put, uh, there's a quote here that says that uh, in 2009, there was a, an interview with them and they said, uh, Joel Cohen rather said, that movie has more of an enduring fascination for other people than it does for us. I, I think it's just part of the part of the thing where everybody oh. in their mother wants a sequel of this film. And the yeah. people were just like, no, dude, we're not going to do a sequel. Like, just let it go. Well, um, but the reason that the the Jesus roles kind of came about is because Totoro felt that his character needed more screen time. <laughs> yes, he did. Bucking, yes, get he him did. bucking like the Coen brothers, like, hey, come on, let's do it, let's do it. Who licks a bowling ball, dude? Well, he, he's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he did an adaptation of this film called Going Girls, dude. Going Places, nineteen seventy five. Um, and that's how the rolling, the Jesus rolls kind of came about. But yeah, I, I mean, it's like anything else, right? If you bug a filmmaker enough, like they're going to be like, dude, I don't want to hear about that film. I don't want to be known for the big Lebowski. I want to be known for a couple other films. And then for them, it's not just like getting asked personally. It's like, you know, messages, emails, you know, posts. Yeah, it's exactly. like, ah, everywhere I look. And, I mean, I, I, some of their other stories, like, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but a serious man, I think I brought it up in like the last podcast. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I mean, 
it's one of those films that after sitting back and letting first off like their screenwriting abilities kind of show for themselves as far as like the characters and the way that they're built and Mm -hmm. then seeing a story kind of come to fruition that makes you reflect and kind of ponder philosophically like where you stand in the universe and i mean to me that's one of their like heavy hitting films that you could put you could tell they put a lot of care into it and maybe thinking of that compared to like the big lebowski where sure they put care into it they wanted to make sure that the characters were written well but it's not like this challenged thought like their other films have i think that's why i like to debate that but well that's not what this uh is about is it (laughs) (laughs) that's That's just like your opinion that's just like your opinion, like opinion man. man. Uh, no, but to, to your point, <clears throat> though, I think that's what I love. Like, that's probably why I love um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs so much because it's got everything rolled up into one. It's comedic. It's lighthearted in some sequences. It's got, but then you go to the last kind of, uh, you go to the last two stories. I hope I'm getting that right. You go to the story yes. about the guy who performs. Um, the guy, the guy with no limbs that performs. No, he's, he's the middle story. He's the middle story, right? And then you go to the very last story of like the afterlife, mm-hmm. and they're so deep and so meaningful and so philosophical that it makes you wonder like what your beliefs are in that regard. Yeah, the um, ballad of Buster, the one that you guys talked yeah, about. Yeah, man. Yeah, I yeah. Have, I've, I've seen the poster and I've got none of that. Like, if you, can, if you can get past, yeah, because you got to get past Buster Scruggs. Buster Scruggs, yeah, is the least interesting episode. What? It's the first episode. And I actually like that it, that one too. <laughs> I mean, no, I no, never got past the post. It's it great, like, but for me, it's like the least. Like, if I put them in order, for me, it's like the gold mine one, then the the one with the limb without the limbs, and then it's the 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 last one, the afterlife one, um, and then the the James Franco one, the bank robbing one, and then last, it's the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, like the actual. Wait, what about uh, the train wagon? Oh, the train wagon was great. I'd put that somewhere in the middle. The the dog. Damn you guys. Now I'm going to have to watch this shit. <laughs> Dude, it's you know, it, it, It's definitely it. one of those that if you watch it, at first you're going to be kind of like, so I'm just going to get an hour and a half of this. And then once you get past the first story, then it, it, everything else is different. And everything That's what else I was going to say. Cool. If you can get past the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the initial. Yeah. And it's great. It's not a bad episode. It's really good. Um, I it just I, might. I think the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, that first episode, it's supposed to be like this embodiment of all things Dude, it's Western. Cause, it's because the and fact then, that, that I know it's part of it being an absurd comedy thing, but yeah. just the sequence of him in the sky, it just, it's just like, <laughs> come on. Really? It's, it's just supposed yeah. to be this embodiment of like all things everybody thinks of as Western. It's a guy with a hat who's like a legend and can shoot out anybody. Like it's all the good old sheriff. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I gotta it's get past that. Like, like that, but, but as like, long as you well, can get past, the, it's not even getting past it. Yeah, like, it's just the fact that yeah, it is an absurd comedy, and they do some decisions in that first story. They're like, where the fuck does this come from? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and so it, okay. once you get out of that, like once yeah, you're like, oh, okay, I think it's just, but it's okay because like you see the big label. It's kind of like what the the bowling sequence does, the the trip sequence. Right. Like kind of what that does. It just kind of knocks it you. Stuns like, you, and then after that, like everything else feels right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like so I think really, I, I think if you up. watch if you watch any of the stories out of place and didn't start with like Buster Scruggs, I think you'd kind of maybe you'd miss the feelings you're supposed to get with the rest of You won't of regret it, Castro. You won't regret okay, watching no, no, I'll start with the first. I'll start with it's, the... It's on Netflix, dude. It's, it's, it's a movie, so it's kind of like... It's you a just, movie, yeah. You press play. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, didn't I, mean, say. I didn't mean to call them episodes. It's like yeah, dog, that's what I was thinking now. 
Okay. Uh, it's it's, it's like an Japanese anthology so. movie. It's an anthology, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I will say it is fun to kind of like because we're talking in in this like broad terms to not spoil anything and just see Eric's yeah. reactions kind of like kind of like piecing everything together and which is really interesting I kind of want to watch it again but I thought it was episodes that's what I was thinking Don't isn't be- it weird that like we started this conversation talking about the Big Lebowski and we've gotten so many random directions <laughs> just like the Big Lebowski it's nice that's what happens when you talk about this film you know getting yeah. back to the Big Lebowski and before we get into because we're getting pretty close to getting into the Tower Crown before we get into the tower Delao, I want to ask you and I want to see if you can discuss I mean this was Roger Deakins you Roger know De- great, great Roger Deakins cinematography you know I don't know if you Ooh. can talk a bit about that and what your thoughts were on his I mean Roger Deakins is a chameleon of a cinematographer man like yeah. this is 1998 yeah what, what do you need to think about uh, in cinematography uh, when you look at these films that might not play into uh, the color spectrum yeah. of things or maybe even like lighting that does anything extremely dramatic. You have to think about it in sense of storytelling and what are we trying to show in these scenes? What are some of the methods that we use? So that way we can give, I guess the viewer a certain emotion. Uh, I think one of the best scenes that kind of does that is at the very beginning uh, when the dude hears that he was called into the uh, Mr. Lebowski's like room and that he kind of like locked himself in his chamber and the camera kind of starts off low and it's pushing in and you hear that dramatic music and it's him going through this very serious reflection of like, well, what makes a good man? Isn't it listening yeah. to like responsibility? Yeah. And, and then, yeah. and then it's uh, the dude just like, yeah, that and testicles, I guess. And he's like Perfect. jokes, <laughs> yes. but maybe you have something. And, and all the shots show that he's using traditional methods to show people of power, people of yeah, yeah, high yeah. respect, uh, people who are trying to like, like I don't know how um, to describe it perfectly, but basically, he's emphasizing those things and showing just how to out of place the dude is. So I mean, I mean and if I'm not mistaken, okay. too, you know, um, he kind of became their go-to guy. You know, yeah. like he did this, he did "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" Um, he did, he did, yeah, the man who wasn't there. He did No Country for Old Man. He was he was he was kind of their go-to guy in terms True. of cinematography. He became their guy. Um, I remember watching this this doc where he talks about the coloring of Old Brother Where Art Thou, and how that particular film it was the first time, if I'm not mistaken, they shot in digital, and because they shot in digital, they were able to color the film uh, in a DI right in a in a in a in a in a room basically where they could mess with every single color. Um, uh, in that film, and that's why that uh, the Bro Brother where Art Thou Man is some of the best cinematography I've seen. It, it's a beautiful picture, hmm. and it Oh Brother where Art Thou was right after Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski obviously has its feel and its grain and its grittiness because of the story, right. and then right after they jump into this beautiful cinematic kind of picture with Brother with Oh Brother where Art Thou. So. And it became the poster child for Final Cut Pro. At- at that time yeah yeah i mean just all the <laughs> digital tools of being able to cut digitally and being able to to color digitally it's that it was that time man. i mean i mean no brother where art that was it was 2000 on the nose you know it was right 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 at that break um and roger deakins man like he just won an oscar for crying out loud yeah <laughs> yeah just won an oscar for for 1917 and, and rightfully so he's he's amazing he's uh i i for the first time in ever i saw blade runner the first uh, one the first one 
And and yeah, I had never seen it before. I saw it late last year or something like that. I had never seen it before. And uh, and we get into obviously Blade Runner Blade Runner twenty forty nine and the cinematography. That's Roger Deakins too, and and it's impressive, man. Just look how much of a chameleon this guy is. He's it, it's insane. It, it it's the difference between trying to just get a camera and uh, you know film what's around and trying to think how the camera captures story. And I mean, you know, that there's there's a whole like lecture that could probably be gone on about like how to use the camera for that. And I mean, with the Big Lebowski, like every other film that you see of his, it's adapting to the situation that best tells the story. You know, he he, uh, he did. Um, he has his own podcast now, by the way, if you're a cinematographer and you love cinematography, check out That's his podcast. I'm subscribing to. Oh, you have! I thought you were subscribed to the law. It's pretty good, man. Like it, it takes you into like his origins for the first few episodes, and then now he's interviewing like fellow cinematographers and fellow filmmakers and stuff. Um, it's a pretty good podcast. So, so I, I forget what it's, it's called. Cool. It's called like Team the, Deacons. Team Deacons. Yeah. Team Deacons. What the hell? I never heard of this. Yeah, it's been around for a few <laughs> months. It, it's it's relatively new, but it's it's good. So check if you're a cinematography fan and check that out because it's really good. Careful, man. There's a beverage. <laughs> um anything else that you guys have about the big lebowski guys anything you guys want to mention before we jump into man, the i could go on hours and hours about this movie man yeah, there's so man. much that could be dissected almost for like from minute one dude all of john goodman's scenes dude i can't believe you always talk about the that's war another, yeah <laughs> and uh, one can argue that <laughs> if it wasn't for I was going to say, since you're a really big fan, Yokomoto, I really want to know, what's your... Because you say there's so much to dissect, and I don't disagree with you. I just... The first time I saw it, and I've seen I it... I just think you're wrong. It like you are, but okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. The, first, the first time I saw it, I didn't feel that way. The first time I saw it, I kind of just enjoyed it as a comedy. And then the second, third time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, there's 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 some stuff going on. Um, just, and just in terms of, like, a, a, a believable... It's almost like it's because there's a whole political side of it too, man. Like, there's well, a- what I was gonna say is like Jeff Bridges' character, the dude, is almost like a fictional <coughs> character in the non-fictional world. But there is guys that exist like him. But at the same time, he's like one of a kind. It's 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 stepping in this like fictional non-fictional world. Um, what's your take on that, Yokomoto? Like, you you say that there's so much to kind of dive into. Uh, I don't want that uh, to... Can you just put, like, a main theory that goes... I, I honestly didn't know the political aspect, I, I think, because... There's a YouTube like video friend. on it, dude. It's insane, really? like, Jesus is, like, the representation of, like, Mexico, and then when John Goodman is, like, uh, beating up the Corvette, like, that's mm-hmm. when the U.S. fucked up with Nicaragua. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, like, I'm not really, like... But, uh, yeah, like, everything has to do with, like, politics, especially, you know, it's, it's the 90s. They show wow. that it's the 90s, you know? Oh I didn't know my that. Yeah, god! That, that makes John Goodman's wars. character like yeah, and then so even uh, deeper, the, because even the big Lebowski, like, the guy with the wheelchair, he's um Dick Cheney or something like that. Or, oh my god! He's the aggressor. He's the guy that. that's aggressive. You know, it, it, it goes into this deep like, whoa, that's so true. Because honestly, aggressive. you could have yeah. told me none of that, and I would have still thought it's a great film. <laughs> the the first time that I watched it, to tell you the truth, uh, I just uh, wrote it off like, okay, that that was, that was cute. And especially because when you go to the end, you're like, okay, so this all amounted to nothing, right? I mean, I mean, and 
I mean, when I first saw that, that's, that's pretty much what you I thought. Follow with the character, yeah. not the story. You know, that, that's what I love. Eventually, the, then yeah. you start watching. Then uh, on subsequent viewings, and as I grew older with this movie, um, I start. Uh, you start appreciating. I, different I go back to what. It. Yeah, I start going back to what absurdity is, and my and especially once I fell in love with the concept of the absurd. Because something that you just gotta, it's kind of like a point of view where in the end, we all try to desperately find uh, so much meaning in this stuff. Um, (laughs) Like uh, something happens for a reason, right? Everything has to happen for a reason. If we write a character, that character has to have a reason. But at the same time, we just uh, forget all the times where just universe is random. Mm -hmm. And we're just placed on this uh, on these paths and we just were like you know what I guess that wasn't just I was an important part of that part well I think that's also into the theory that he's the dude he was he's in the, like in the, the perfect place of this whole situation he's the dude he's involved in all these scenarios because he's you know yeah and like and the thing about movie. him is that being that he's such a slacker uh, like he, he he could just be bullying and and drinking in the white russians and that he'll be good with his life but mm-hmm. in the end all the external factors the whole world just uh he just has to react to it yeah. like he just he just being brought into this world and uh john goodman's character you could say that he's actually if it wasn't for him this whole movie wouldn't have happened because <laughs> he's the one that was insisting that he's the one dude, that threw the dirty you're gonna keep them. yeah <laughs> Yeah, the, they peed on your rug, man. And they, he he, he rug. insisted so much on that. Shut up, John. Bring the place together. You know yeah, yeah. I, I should, I should, I should, I should meet up with the other Lebowski. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, man. It and, created, uh, like, created a world. Of was, the, uh, it created this sorry. whole almost like Lebowski universe, um, and it's it's interesting to see that. And so it's it's when it's somebody can do that without even trying, and I'm sure that's what the Coen brothers were just. They were just trying to tell this story the way they, don't, they they knew how. It's impressive, man. It's impressive when somebody can do that. So so props to that. And at the same time, it has some cool really good dick jokes throughout the whole thing. Hey, I mean, yeah. It's impressive. <laughs> True. Uh, cool. All right. Uh, does anybody else have anything else for the Big Lebowski guys? Anything you Something, guys? Something, if you don't mind me, I guess we'll try it out for this episode, and then uh, we'll, we, could, we could kill it the next one. I want to add something What's to up? the Watchtower podcast, or a question... Ooh. because we're reviewing films and we have an actor with us. That's right, our very own Carlos De La Torre. So what, yeah, what thank you. Castro, I No, no, something I'd like to add, because I mean, you know, I think when we look at these films, we're looking at it from like, oh man, I'd love to be that guy behind the camera, yeah. you know, calling this shot, or Carlos would love to have been directing that actor, but is there a role in the film you think like I would have loved to have been that role or something you would have loved to have done for this film? Because I've always told Carlos, man, I love when it takes a setting in a place like the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I love John Goodman's character. Like, I wish I would be John Goodman's character. Because yeah. like, you know, like Yokomoto said, without yes. John Goodman's character, there wouldn't be a story. Yeah. I, like to, I would love to be that, that, that guy. So, so I relate a lot to John Goodman's yeah, character too, man. Correct me, correct I, me I, if I'm wrong here, Castro. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Then what intrigues you about it is that, and this is, if you analyze it, this is pretty impressive too. What intrigues you about it is that it's not the movement 
of the of the settings it's not the action it's not it's the characters that make this film it's the characters that yeah that's why when you guys are talking about like you know the camera moving and the lighting i love it but that's just not my lingo my lingo is like acting you know that's what i want to get i want to i wanted to see now i think for for at least for the next film i want to ask the the most my favorite my favorite films of castro in terms of acting have been films like obviously you know what's funny um and and um there's still time where they they take place really in one location or two locations and and it's you're intrigued with the character you're not intrigued with the setting or with the you know it's just a nice little backdrop and i think maybe that's yeah yeah you know it's a nice little backdrop where you can build a story around it not the other way around where the story builds the characters i i think that's pretty cool i like that yeah i just i I guess going back to yours i i would love to be john goodman's character because I can relate to him, and then he's just that. Uh, I guess he's that lovable character that also comes across as, as an asshole. Like you know, there's a there's a quote. You know, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You know, so, I don't know, he's, he's you such a great character. I can see, I can see a little Goodman in you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Just you know, market zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Donnie. It's like, damn, man, smoke. Shomer Shabbos. Shomer Shabbos. So, yeah, man, I guess I, I look at the movies a little bit different than you guys, but I love, that's why I love this podcast because you guys show me like the behind the scenes and lenses. Whereas I'm just, you know, I guess I'm trying to, you know, intellect to you guys what, what I see from the acting perspective, you know, and John Goodman's yeah, character. Yeah, thank you for bringing it up, uh, the Lao. I think we should be doing that every episode. Mm-hmm. And now you have been so far. I know you're always wanting to get the perspective. So, the- yeah, but you know, I'm trying to, you know, especially, you know, a movie such better. with rich characters such as this one, uh, like it's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, you know, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the dude is pretty good. It's just. I'm, I'm more intrigued. He's just not your character. character. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more intrigued with like the best friend who's, you know, he's either crazy or whatever. Yeah. The eccentric uh, one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I love to be, you know, actually, uh, you know, the, the action hero and stuff like that. But <laughs> I love those quirky side characters. I love yeah. them. I love them. Nice. Kramer. That, that's interesting because, you know, I think everybody would have said, oh, you're probably going to say the dude because, like, who doesn't want to be the dude in The Big Lebowski? But I think you're right. Oh, uh, no. John I mean, Goodman's yeah. character does so much to the story. And it's such like an integral part that you 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 can't imagine this film without him, you know. Gus, yeah, exactly. Like, That's guys, guys, guys just come up to me as as an actor. You guys, you guys know I have a really, I, Gus and I have this really cool shorthand um, that I love and I always kind of cherish, like the our likewise, brother. Um, but Castro has come up to me and been like, "Hey, man." I kind of don't want to be the hero anymore. I kind of want to be the asshole. Like, I kind of want to be that. I want to, you know, do a couple of those, you know? Yeah, no, no. And that's that's just a testament to the, how you love these characters. And that's really cool, dude. I mean, that's that's admirable. Um, yeah, and, so, I, and I love that. Uh, that Oh, man, I love that. You brought that up and you're trying to bring that up, man. That's a good little segment if you want. Yeah, so even if we uh, pick films like Little Women, you're going to have to chew the characters. So just, just keep that <laughs> in mind now. Sure. For, for sure. I love Little Women. Which, just a- Which reminds us, the next film, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we're doing Mamma Mia. And, All right. Uh, oh, man. And then number number. <laughs> no, but no, cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, I think it's about Which that, is that Mr. Yokomoto. Oh, it's about that time. All right. Oh. Well, do we have the 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 thing? The thing that goes like the word of the oh, day. Yeah. 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 Austin put that in post. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got this. We got this. 
Okay, so welcome all to the Tower Crown. Uh, I'm ready. If any of you don't know, the Tower Crown is a debate show where the debaters don't always know exactly what they're going to be debating for. So for this uh, this time, we were uh, watching The Big Lebowski, so we wanted to celebrate a bit of absurd comedies. Absurd comedies, fellas. So we put up a poll on Facebook and to see which two movies would would be the favorite ones from our audience. Oh, man. And just to kind of give a little reminder of which movies were there, they were The Hangover. All right. Todd Phillips. I mean, come on. <laughs> the Nice Guys. Shane Black. Hmm. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Terry Webb Gillen. How did that not win? Terry oh, my Bell. bad. My bad. I'm supposed to not know. Wow. Bleep <laughs> <Right. laughs> it out. Bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> and another yeah burn after yeah. reading is pretty good by the way it, it, oh, if i'm not mistaken burn after reading is the only one or if not one of the only ones where roger deakins wasn't a cinematographer but in fact it was my favorite cinematographer manuel lubeski he did he worked with the coen brothers oh, really? oh was he i yeah, did not know he was chivo yeah wow interesting anyway sorry go for well, it so who are the winners that we <laughs> didn't yeah, that know we have no idea <laughs> so you'll vote it and uh, the winners were the hangover and the nice guys uh, which I, wow, I, gotta say, I did not imagine how much love was there going to be with the hangover on this one I mean the nice guys yeah, was good but the hangover that. just it's, it's, it's you know just, what I noticed with our voters they pick very modern films it, it's either like a cinematic masterpiece or very modern films yeah, yeah. it's not modern it's like uh, the most, almost like the popular one, the 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 the, the most well known one. Hmm. Um, okay. I, I, I I regardless, I gotta be on the side of of the Hangover, man. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to moderate. Okay. Okay, yeah, because I want to do the. I nice like guys. the the Hangover too. The nice but guys, I'll yeah. go with the nice guys if you want. Because I mean, the Hangover, who doesn't love it? I yeah, I gotta I gotta okay yeah. Okay, right. I'm gonna moderate, <laughs> and then I will be messaging Yokomoto my final results. With with right. the with a with, you're my lifeline. Okay, so just be ready, man. Am I my you lifeline? Hopefully, we, we have you here. Hey, Carlos, you, you're a two bachelor historian. You know, come on, <laughs> get out of here, man. Help, Austin, help me with my degree. Come on, man. All right. So, which one do you want to start with? <laughs> yeah. So let's go. Okay, so let's start off with the Hangover. Okay, man. So the Hangover. I mean, look, <clears throat> you you saw the seen it, been there, done that. No, you <laughs> saw the filmmaking ability of Todd Phillips early on, man. And like, this is a Todd Phillips picture. Everybody thinks that he's just the Hangover trilogy guy, but look, he he was nominated for an Oscar for the Joker. You know, okay. he is, was this, was that his first one? My bad, Carlos. Was that his first one? No, uh, I don't think so. That's no. the first one I really like. Got you know. Well, he started. If I'm not mistaken, Todd Phillips started in TV. And okay, he did okay. he did a few shows here. I'm pulling up, pulling it up right here. Um, but Todd Phillips, I mean, yeah, he did a lot of TV. So he did a uh, Taxi Cab Confessions. He was a producer. Oh wow! He That's did um, random. The more things change, it's like a TV movie. Um, but you know, no, before that, man, dude, I come on. Road trip, old school, Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of yeah. comedies, and uh, he kind of co-wrote slash helped uh, Sasha Baron Cohen with Borat. Oh, okay. So he was always of that of those kind of uh, raunchy comedies. Road Trip and Old School obviously are these raunchy comedies. Starksy and Hutch is just good. It's just yeah. good. 
it's just good. But anyways, no, no. I need to rewatch it. He had a share of films before that, and obviously after The Hangover, um, he did uh, one of my favorites of his is War Dogs. He did really good in War Dogs. Yeah. Um, War Dogs was was terrific. Jonah Hill and Miles Teller and my future had, wife, of course, Ana de Armas. Hello, how you uh-huh. doing? He yeah. did one of the worst edited films of all time, Project X. He did Project oh. X. Well, he was a producer on that. Yeah, yeah. Is that so? Wow. Oh, Project X. Uh, he did Due Date and obviously the Hangover trilogy. Most recently and most notably, he just did The Joker, which got nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture, for Best Screenplay, Best. Uh, all right, all right, all right, man. Your time is up, man. You, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. Uh, I, the, you see his storytelling ability, and look, The Hangover had had a had a budget of thirty five million, man. That's not a lot for shooting in Vegas for having the cast it did. Um, as that I was kind of mentioning before, in my opinion, The Hangover is now regarded as a modern classic. And nice guy, a nice guy. Look, Shane Black just isn't my cup of tea. I've tried him. I, I've tried him various oh, times. Oh, hold on, hold on. What did you call the Hangover? It's a modern what? Modern classic. A modern classic in terms of comedy. A modern. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know the nice guys could be you know it's gonna be considered a cult classic party. Yeah, it's more. Uh, it's more of the cult classic. Um, yeah. Man, like not I can see that. but it's uh. But my it, bad. It's my bad. Yeah. What's that? It's not. It's like. I don't know. The comedy branch is kind of weird. Um, it's I guess it's like bland comedy, like or like uh, dry comedy. Which one? Uh, the, the nice guys. No nah, man, it's oh dude, Ryan Gosling, dude, he goes away from his character, his stereotype, dude, and then he nails it. It's a kind of it's noir hilarious. comedy. I don't know, man. Like, I kind of feel like uh, from a guy that comes. Look, the, the trajectory of Todd Phillips's career was he was the comedy guy that went into his into serious dramatic roles. Like that was his trajectory. He did all comedies. Then he went into, um, then he went into films like *Stark Scene and Hutch*, which is a comedy, but it's got some serious tones to it. And then he goes into *War Dogs*, which is super serious, especially towards the end. And then he does *The Joker*. Whereas Shane Black did all like serious sci-fi type stuff, wait, and wait, then wait, he tried wait, to wait, do wait, a comedy. No, no serious. Then, come on. The he did no serious. Well, that's what. What do you mean? That we're talking about the directors of the of each film? <laughs> Obviously, Todd Phillips is better. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 Shane Black. No, 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 no. We're Shane talking Black about the movie. Better. Shane Black in the sci-fi community has his name to himself, dude. Like he did, he did like oh, yeah. Predator, Predator and Iron Man three and all these films. Um, but but I just think in terms of comedy, in terms of a good comedy, oh, Lethal Weapon. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> that action sci-fi guy like that came in to try to oh, do a comedy. Done. So it was way out of his element where Todd Phillips already had experience and you can see that. Yeah, okay. You can see it. that the hangover is okay. I mean, the casting was perfect in the hangover, man. Way yeah. perfect. I mean <laughs> Ed Helms and Bradley Cooper before he became serious Bradley Cooper. Like I was gonna ask you, Ed Helms too, before the office? He did this. No, one? this was during the office, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Or right after or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ed it was Helms. During. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was during. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Heather Graham to come back and play like the stripper wife and uh, Jeffrey Tambor's in this too. It's just a great casting, man. Perfect. You know what thing I really like about this film too? Is, you know how they, uh, is he missing a tooth? Yeah. Well, I like how, you know, and the cable guy, he, he put something to like make it seem like he's losing a tooth. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, know, I like that. Hey, um, Mike. No, one, because it has a cable guy. Role is, role is hilarious. <laughs> 
even Mike Tyson's role is hilarious in this. I mean, oh yeah, and he was heavy into drugs. He's admitted like that role. He forgot he was gonna film that day. And you know what? The Hangover trilogy, in of itself, it's actually a pretty good trilogy. Like it stands. It stands yeah. on its own. Uh, the second one is like a little weird. You go off to Taiwan, and there's this whole deeper. They like, have to just you know. Top it, but top, yeah. it was pretty good. It was a pretty good trilogy. And diminishing quality in each movie. Zach Galifianakis' character is just the best comic. The really. worst, man. Well, yeah, but He's such. Like, I mean, he becomes way too bad on, the, especially on the sequels. Like, yeah, I, I hate him though. I hate really? him. Really? But <laughs> yes. he makes you laugh more than anybody else on screen, and it's and he doesn't have to try that hard. Like, yeah. Alan's character is just insane. So yeah, I just think it's an overall better film. Definitely a better comedy. Um, you can tell that the director seasoned. You can tell that it's a good Vegas story. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a good Vegas story. It's just yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with with the Hangover versus the Nice Guys. Look, the, the Nice Guys. I I have to tell you about the guys. The Nice Guys is cool. I love the Nice Guys. The Nice Guys. The first time I saw it, I couldn't get through it. Perfect comedy. Dude, it takes it back to the 1970s, and it's like your your quirky comedy detective movie, man. And it's hard to pull that it's, off. And then you got Russell Crowe. That's exactly Crow. what. What's up? Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. No, and then you got Russell Crowe and um, Ryan Gosling was just a perfect mesh, man. You know, because I'm more into like the the characters, man. I don't know about the director and his films and all this yada yada. You said. <laughs> more into the, to the to the characters, Ryan Gosling is awesome in this one, dude. He's freaking hilarious because he he's is pretty amazing. Boy. Yeah, like, usually yeah, the he, pretty boy doesn't work as the funny guy, and it's just ah, it just. And then the story, the, I love the story you where Ryan, you know who Ryan Gosling's character reminds me of. Who that that Limu Emu guy from the commercials? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you guys seen that? I know, I know which one. It's a detective who uh, works with an ostrich. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's the familiar, sure right? yeah, for Even he reason. has the same uh, yellow shirt too, dude. Well, I'm sharing <laughs> my screen really quick. This is this is super. Oh, never mind. I, I'm not in charge. Never mind. Oh, Anyways, yeah, the Limu Emu guy. That's not Sandra's like bank info this time. But the nice guys, oh. though. Other than that, the nice guys. It's the definition of a, what a perfect comedy is. Every single line of dialogue is written so sharp. Every single line of dialogue, as well as with the Big Lebowski, it's just memorable. It's just like every whenever I have a bad day, I put this on. Really, I don't care. It gives me the biggest ass smile. It's a like, good one. There's I like so it. much stuff. <laughs> there's so much stuff, like uh, especially uh, with Ryan Gosling's character, having him going through like all this uh, tragedies. He's the him, worst cop ever. He, the worst detective ever. Yeah, he still solves the, the equation, though. But the thing is that uh, he's, I mean, he's practically immortal. Okay, yeah. He's immortal because there's so much stuff that happens to him. He he has this broken arm. He has a... Who's by he Russell falls Crow? off from, basically, he falls from the roof and still lives. He cuts his hand when he breaks the window. I mean, I... Yes, that scene was so... It's just so amazing, and I also I love. I also like, love the, the little side story of uh, Ryan Gosling and his daughter. I, I that's what, that takes a whole yes. another. The the daughter, the daughter is just such a good character. Smart, she's like a and smart daughter, a, and it's it's especially important because whenever you have uh, these like uh, child actors, it's sometimes it gets tricky, and especially if you're going to sell them as kind of being a bit more mature than what they should be. 
this actress, like she sold it. She sold it as the one that, you know what? My my dad is an alcoholic. I have to take care of him more than a, than he should be taking care of me. Yeah. And she sells it and, and it's perfect. But, and there's all these things of the, the chemistry between Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling is just so perfect. Yeah, There's man, I mean, no... you're talking about characters, dude. He knocked it out the park with his character, man. Like, I, he's I, coming I, off yeah. from, you know. What this... are we talking about here? Are we talking about what's the best comedy? Are we talking about what's the best? Ca- I mean, because, like, when we're talking about comedy, when we're talking about, I've, I've got way more of laughs on a film, like a buddy cop film, like The Other Guys, than I did off of Nice Guys. Dude, The Other Guys are pretty good, too. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm going to debate that. Uh, I actually got way more <laughs> on The Nice Guys. Oh, especially on the on situations, just like when they have to dispose a body that uh, that Ryan Gosling <laughs> and they uh, throw it off, finds and then they, they the throw wedding. it off and it falls on yeah the wedding. That that always gets me every single time that happens. And then and uh, the when he has film, to interview dude. the mermaids, go he yeah go, he's he such an alcoholic that he are you yeah. Uh, See, it's a good film, now, not a good director. It's a good film. What apart from that, Shane Black, Mail. apart from that, if we go in the director part, Shane Black is so good at what the noir. I don't, noir, like Black, man. Uh, I don't know much about Shane Black, to be I honest. I don't like Look, him. Not uh, like... I mean, he wrote the lethal, lethal Weapon. He wrote that one when he was 15 years old. Oh, <laughs> and I love Lethal so Weapon, damn man. good. Yeah, the Lethal too, Weapon. Too old yeah. And then, I guess he wasn't too old for that shit. <laughs> 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 and then uh, with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you could, uh, which was his directorial debut, okay. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is also such a really damn good uh, noir comedy, and that that brought a new. That's one of those that brought a new renaissance to Robert Downey. I just Jr. got a bad taste. I think I just got a bad taste in my mouth with him because Iron Man three sucked. Nah, man, you can't. <laughs> I'm one of those that debate that Iron Man three is actually good. Uh, I, I, <laughs> because it was, it was one, of my, one of my least favorite MCU's. What? It's one of my least favorite MCU films. Who's the bad guy on three? Um, uh, the fucking himself. Ben <laughs> yeah, like well, it was like the whole Ben Kingsley thing, wasn't it? Or is that the second one? No, that's the third oh, one. The yeah. thing, oh, where he's like uh, dumb. The, the like, one yeah. mistake. Yeah. The, like, the one mistake dating. that I think they made was that they made Guy Pierce the the backup right, uh, right. villain. I think that's the one mistake that he made. But I mean, it's, a, it's, a, good twist, little, it's a good little. It's a good little like. Way better for the film. It's a good little like like arc. Like oh, he he messed with. It's it's a classic comic book arc in the sense that like, oh, he became a villain because of a way he was treated way back when at a convention when they met. You know. Yeah. But but okay. But uh, it just felt uh, let so- me just let me just finish that that thought. Let, <laughs> let me just finish that thought. Uh, uh, just to kind of uh, show how how much of a mastermind is actually good. Shane Black and that with that plot twist of do it, uh, do it. having Ben Kingsley not being it. The thing is that that movie is all about the manufactured fear that that uh well that the that terrorism brings because it's manufactured because they're just trying to distract all the people. Uh, the I fact that he, that the real villain is not a real villain, it's it becomes a whole commentary on the, that it is a distraction. We just we we program fear. That's not what Iron Man is supposed to. That's not what that take that to the DECU no, and they're doing no, no. three is crap. That's not what we're that's not what Marvel's about over here. 
Oh. Apart from that, uh, I don't know. Doesn't so impress me, man. And look, I'm 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 not I'm not a big like alien or a big predator guy. I know uh, Sanchez has commented that that Shane Black's predator is actually pretty good, um, but I'm not big on that, so I wouldn't know that world as much. I wouldn't be able to comment on that world as much. But he just hasn't impressed me, man. Just Shane Black just really hasn't caught my attention in anything he's done, like including his scripts. Are, uh, I I really do think his scripts are really good. And, and when he has like the, done anything after that, right? He hasn't after uh, after Predator. He hasn't done anything. No, I think uh, he he still hasn't worked on anything yet. Yeah. Well, he's uh, probably working on something, but just COVID hit. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. 2018 Predator. He he was a script doctor, which is pretty impressive. He was a script doctor for Predator and Dead Heat, RoboCop three. Um, he acted too, which is interesting. But yeah, I just. Maybe he'll he'll impress me with something. He still hasn't impressed me. The nice guys. The first time I, I I was really looking forward to it. A lot of people had told me it was really good, and I fell asleep through it, dude. I couldn't get through it. I just couldn't get through it. Man, it you, you just don't like comedies, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> you're you're just not a good comedy. Because I like good comedies. That's the thing about it. <laughs> no. go, watch, go watch Goodfellas. You, go, 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 yeah, go, go ahead and watch your Scorsese flick. <laughs> Uh, is that what this podcast is going to be about? Just me? Uh, just the crap well, there's so many references that you throw out, you know, it's kind of getting, I just like. <laughs> Fine, I'll, I'll make note. Talk less about nah, the nah, nah, filmmaker. I almost <laughs> feel like even if we had Scorsese here, it's like you'd be the one who'd be like telling him, did you know Scorsese said this? <laughs> you like Chris Farley on the SNL skin? I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, that's I just my take. I think the Hangover, in terms, again, we're all, always gonna in this segment of the show, we're always gonna argue memorability, and, and 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 I think it's more memorable of a film. I think it's gonna stand the test of time more in terms of comedies and comedy fans, and um, and it's 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 a modern classic. Uh, everybody I just knows it. Think that the Hangover had more to work with, and <clears throat> what was the budget for the nice guys? I bet you Ryan Gosling sat uh, had fifteen. The budget it had fifteen mil more, but that's not the point. <laughs> Exactly. That's not the point. The Hangover had Las Vegas. Yeah, you know how much you could do with Las Vegas? Wait, I, I, come on. You know, so I just think the nice guys with two main characters just did a lot with it. It was a funny, quirky comedy. And then it's a detective movie back in the 1970s, which I love. I love that type. Lethal Weapon. And I, I still argue to this day that these two should have had some type of nomination because they didn't throughout this whole, uh, throughout that whole award season. And they, they're, as far as comedy-wise, uh, there are perfect examples of how comedy uh, characters should be. How uh, chemistry should be, too. Yes. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, maybe that's a testament to their performances, because to, the, to, to your credit, to both of your credits, uh, both of those actors have been nominated for Oscars, to be fair, right? Oh, yeah. So to be fair, maybe that's a testament of their performance. So thank you for making my point, sir. Yeah. No, no, I mean, yeah, I, I'll admit that. <laughs> like, I think in terms of their performances, I, I can't argue that. I think their performances might have been really well. I mean, in, in The Hangover, we have guys like Zach Galifianakis that can act. Like, Ooh, you have like a whole all-star team with them, okay. man. And I mean, just like Bradley Cooper. Bradley yeah, Cooper Mr. Kim. They're nominated for, for at least two Oscars <laughs> with American Sniper and uh, The Star is Born. A Star is Born. Oh, um, yeah. So so he's a great actor, obviously. And Ed Helm is just kind of a comedy guy. He hasn't really gotten out of that. Have you guys seen The New Vacation? It's actually pretty good. Um, it, it's a good kind of completion to the National Lampoon series. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. 
but anyways yeah i just think um um in terms of performances maybe you got me there maybe you got me there just because those two guys are really talented actors um and filmmaking i mean but i, I just don't want to like just to put it out there man it could be a split decision all right just, to me the nice guys is just one big long limu emu commercial yeah, that's, yeah, what, yeah, that's, yeah, like, that's on, what it sounds on. like that's what it feels limu, like you know no, no. <laughs> send me your address bro I, I need to discuss some things with you <laughs> all right the low okay the obvious winner is iron man 3 we got to give it up <laughs> i can't even debate that so the low uh, you know what hold on hold on all right before we go on uh austin young no 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 what, what, what's your what, take? what's your take hangover fuck fuck hey can't be used in court you know wow wow <laughs> No, all right. Mean, this guy covered most of it, so let's see. Stop, stop, stop. Stop. Okay, so I uh, already got the tally in. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? Are you ready, Carlos? And it's a split yeah. decision. All right, guys, thank you. Because uh, this is this is what's gonna be, okay? Uh, I I just don't want you sad, Carlos, whenever you find out. But <laughs> he's the one that puts it too, so. <laughs> And <laughs> I really wanted uh, Yokomoto, you to just go and Google Iron Man 3 pictures really quick yeah. and just insert it in. <laughs> it's good now, man. The hangover did change the game for comedy, man. It really did. It I'll set this. the tone. It set the tone for modern comedies, really. Also, and uh, it's, so, it's such a unique script. My bad. No, no, you're good. I was going to say, as far as like obscure comedies go, I think the one difficulty is that when you get into something that's kind of obscure and can kind of go anywhere and uh there's it's not i guess traditional and especially for the time it came out it didn't feel very traditional as far as comedies go um it's hard to get people behind it and i think that's why nice guys is going to be a cult classic because it's going to take people that second time coming around seeing it and then that way they'll appreciate it more yeah yeah but but i think for a hangover it obviously took the obscure genre and made it something that People you know? wanted to come back to, and then not only that, Dude. but they made a trilogy out of it. Yeah, know? it's a perfect film for a trilogy. Perfect. Yeah. And, and it almost revived that genre. I mean, look, I, as much as we don't like talking about the side of the business, the box office speaks for itself, too, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Box office, uh, Hangover went on to make over $400 million versus... Yeah. It was a revolution. It's just yeah. the title alone. It's so, yeah. you know, you but, can relate to it. Think, Who has a Hangover? I think in regards to that, too... I'm a big, big, really, I really am. And Gasto knows this. I'm a big comedy fan. I really am. Oh, I think um, I need to see Martin Scorsese, man. I was going to lose it. Well, him too. Thank you for bringing <laughs> him up. I, I was waiting for somebody to name drop him. So I, could talk about him. <laughs> I was about to. Anyways. Anyways, The Hangover did, like, I, I, a lot of these comedies are guilty pleasures for me because they're not necessarily the most cinematic films, yeah. but they're just good comedies to watch. And, like, my guilty pleasures are, like, Adam Sandler films. Like especially the old Adam Sandler films and like oh, yeah, even some of the new ones. Some of the new ones I'll, I'll sit and watch. Like I just it's my guilty pleasures. But The Hangover revived that genre. Like um, even like one of the films that a quote unquote people probably make fun of me for liking is like Last Vegas. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Last uh, Vegas. Last <laughs> yeah. Vegas with Morgan Freeman and Michael oh, Douglas. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I like it. I just like those types of films, and I think The Hangover set a standard for those that grandpa movies. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember. Okay, yeah. Just Almost like sit the around bu- and watch with her. Because they do, they did like two of those. 
almost like the bucket well, list there's, there's, almost like um um yeah just kind of like these these stories i don't know they just did something and the hangover i accredit that to kind of kick off those types of comedies to come back and be be popular again almost i agree mm-hmm. i agree for sure so definitely cool. a good foundation film that uh, i think allowed other films to follow that format and people not to disregard it as fast you know yeah 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 that's true that's good and then, like you no, said, definitely uh it just took off Bradley Cooper's career, man. That guy, he's he's on my top five acting. What, what's interesting is is him and, and Todd Phillips work together to this day. Like, Todd Phillips was an executive producer on The Stars Born. He was the one that kind of, like, kick-started stuff so that Bradley Cooper could make that film and, and direct it. Um, and the Joker, on The Joker, Bradley Cooper was a producer on The Joker. Oh, shit. So they yeah, they, he, he they help them. each other out. They help each other out, yeah. He knew he was a gold man, for sure. Yeah, so cool. All right, well, uh, thank you, Delano, for, for choosing the best one. <laughs> you know, I'm just a dude, you know, the dudes in, your dudes in, you know. Well, right, remember, cool. that's just like your opinion, dude. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> cool. All right, guys, we'll talk. The dude does not abide on this. <laughs> uh, today was a great episode. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. And um, as always, if you guys have any suggestions or anything you'd like to talk about, or any thoughts on this particular episode and the Big Lebowski and the Hangover and Nice Guys, please comment um, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or if you're listening in on any major podcasting platform. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for loving cinema. Remember to keep buying um, physical media and films. And um, I'm sorry that we couldn't uh, get the Cable Guy episode working. We'll have to try again at some point. I don't know. Dude, I'm gonna lost my voice with the. <laughs> but no, thank you. Beautiful guys. speech. Hey, they're the glasses. They're the John Goodman glasses. I know. <laughs> um, I want to thank my fellow co-host uh, John Eric Castro, Christian Yokomoto Medina, and Mr. Um, Michael De La O. Uh, thank you, Austin Young, for uh, keeping us sounding good and looking good. Hell um, yeah! Thank you guys for tuning in. If you, if you guys have anything else, guys. I love everybody. Man. Just... Uh, stay tuned for next week. Yeah, when we talk about we're films. actually yeah we're we're getting ready to gear up to do Halloween episodes like oh. um, kind of our October series. So if Give you us have recommendations, chat, suggestions, or stuff like that, shoot them our way, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Watchtower podcast, and we will see you next time.